Sources such as fuel become as blood, and the lust for power never dies. In this world of chaos, creating out of control, down the off-ramp, toward detonation boulevard. Series written by Dan Mac McCloskey. Danny Atwell and Miguel Pedroza. Episode 1 On the Other Side of Ruin. Audio Time Capsule Entry 1 Attempt Number uh, 20. Previous attempts were either destroyed or just way too shitty to record. It came for us. Yeah, it came. And despite all of our power and might and ingenuity and all that other fun stuff, we couldn't stop it. 66 fucking years between pandemics. Imagine that. Add one more six to that figure, and you delve into the territory of irony. And, you know, likely the source of it all. But if killer flus and viruses of the past were like daggers to our society, this particular one was a goddamn atom bomb. Reports coming out of Iraq today of the crimson fever sweeping across the entire nation. Killing many, many people and women, children all over the world. The BBC is reporting that all of these deaths have been coming in with the accumulation of over 567,000. Crimson bodies. Fever. <laughs> That's what those fuckers nicknamed it. What it really was was a final message for humanity, written in the blood of men, women, and children all over the world. This thing was completely indifferent, and blood was the virus's signature. Kind of where they got the name. The screaming horror of spontaneous extinguation. That's a hard word. Most victims died in a pool of red, whether they bled out, vomited, or worse, and I did see worse. Death typically occurred within minutes of contraction. The first cases, they came out of Saudi Arabia, not far from the uh, original point of all civilization and what is now modern day Iraq. <laughs> yeah, that's never lost on me. Man's origin came out of Mesopotamia and so did his demise. Is that irony thing again, right? Or is it poetic justice? Now, nah, what the fuck ever. But the greatest tragedy 
of this whole thing, in my opinion, wasn't the casualties. Nah, there were and are way too many of them to count. Nah, nah, nah. It was the fucking timing. Like a day after Christmas sale. Things were actually starting to look up for all of us. Following a rough span of decades in the early part of the century, it was a boom period for humanity. We were eating ice cream at a time of drastic, unprecedented change. Almost unnaturally so. Yeah. But you know what they say. All good things. Well, Val Jones Industrial Average closed today at its highest in over eight years. Economists are crediting the skyrocketing trend to... The U.S. Supreme Court today ruled in the case of West Technologies versus Burtonball. Five and four in favor of the plaintiff's bid for the proliferation of solar energy. Paneling to be constructed in select locations beginning June 5th. Ecologists cite this legal victory as a great day for the Earth. And in news from the NFL... The Detroit Lions win their third straight Super Bowl, upending the London Monarchs 33-27 to in overtime. Can you believe that, Bubba? <laughs> yeah, great change. Which wasn't to say there weren't problems, of course. You'd think an economic boom would have helped trade, but the whole NAFTA bullshit, always tenuous, almost came apart completely in 2048 and on top of a lot of other shit that happened. It was called the Second American Revolution. I don't think it could have counted. Not just the states, but the whole damn continent. In the early 2020s, fascistic regimes began springing up all over the world, including America. We weren't any exception. A radicalized group in Mexico called Sangre del Aguila. You know, after that thing on the flag they used to have. Under some megalomaniac whack job named Javier Valdez seized governmental control of Mexico City and the cartels. He claimed that the Christian world had destroyed the true heritage of the people of Tenochtitlan. He told the world a new Aztec dynasty was forming. Thousands, and I mean thousands, were slaughtered in a vain attempt to rebel, but his charisma won over so many had been chewed up and stepped on by Mexico's government over the years, they welcomed what he was offering, stability. Even though, uh, in the end, they would bring him to ruin, but it was counting, right? The Catholic Church was all but burnt out of Mexico despite the protest and chagrin of most of the citizens, and the worship of the ancient Aztec gods began to rise. I said what I said. It was at this point Valdez basically declared himself a god. Listo. Apuntar. Dispara! Things seem lost for Mexico's Christian remnants till they look north. The support may not have been immediate or what they wanted, but it was voracious when it did come, and it did. The U.S. and Canada had an uneasy standoff since the first free trade dip in the late 2020s, but fiscal differences aside and combined forces to help their neighbor to the south of the border. Eventually, they overthrow the Aztec regime's reign of tyranny. Sadly, 
It took the deaths of nearly a million people to get it done. Somewhere around the 700,000 mark, I think they stopped counting. And even though they won, the representatives of the Roman Catholic Church, <laughs> yeah, they never set foot in Mexico again. Unprecedented sense of unity in North America, a new cost-effective energy source, millions saved on energy and defense, and it also lowered your cholesterol. The promise of a new day spoke volumes on the world stage, and it was thought that the bad times were over, <laughs> that we were starting to get it right finally. And then, of course, the virus came. A finish line of sorts seemed in sight, and we fucking tripped right there, inches from it. The vainglorious hope of Sisyphus, right? Why was I one of the few that was spared? At least, well, you know, so far. <laughs> fuck if I know. No, fuck right. Uh, I forgot. Call me Jet. Yes. Jet. Like those big things that used to fly in the sky when we were still enough people to ride in them. And a blue sky to fly into. My parents weren't very creative. Pollution since turned the heavens into a permanent shade of what you could call gunmetal gray. <laughs> Humans kill everything, right? Maybe this was uh, Mother Nature giving us a shot in the mouth back. The Earth essentially cutting us out like a tumor. And yet, even at the point of total extinction, we found things to fight over because that's what we do. After the plague, our world is so much different now. The sun was all but blinding. Without sunglasses or some kind of eye protection, you'd be rendered blind in literally minutes. I haven't timed it myself, but I'm not eager to find out either. And don't get me started on sunblock, SPF 1 million, right? I often wonder how I got into this mess in the first place. Well. I sat at the edge of a now-destroyed compound that had been my headquarters for years. <sighs> it was confusing. I wasn't sure how long I'd been asleep or what had happened while I was out. But its destruction worried me a lot. From the last readable piece of written parchment I was able to find, uh, only days could be guessed at. The wind was harsh, moved fast, unaffected by little pieces of civilization that poked their heads up from the dirt floor like a turtle coming out of hibernation. But that was life, and what it's like in Christ's cross. What used to be a four-lane highway stretching out to the horizon was now littered with rusted and empty cars. Their occupants now bleached bones sometimes worse. My gun stayed at my side as my eyes scanned the horizon for any sign of humanity, any proof of life that might be able to help me piece together this, uh, mad world. Then I saw it. A smeared ink blot white skyline. Smoke? No. 
Maybe it does, Cloud. I wrapped the scarf I had scavenged from inside the compound around my mouth and waited to see if this was my answer. A vehicle, what was once called an SUV, pulled up to the ruins. My guns were in my hand. Since the sun was so powerful, it only made sense now that almost all of our vehicles were solar powered. <laughs> Take the winds where you can get them, right? The tinted window rolled down to reveal my employer, Hack Blakesley. He was a bald-headed, pox-marked man with visible skin cancer and a pair of uh, tinted goggles. His voice was gritty and like sandpaper. Now you look like shit, Chet. I feel like shit. What the hell happened to the compound? Ziggy. That's what. <sighs> Jackknife Ziggy. Running interference for that bitch, no doubt. After you got back with that last big shipment from New Vista, you had a bullseye painted on you. And this is what well, happened. The building was barely rubble now. Probably been in the earmark of an architect many years ago. The world, at least around here, was a desert now and it was unforgiving. So what did he burn out? All of our uh, medical supplies? I haven't had a chance to look since I got back. Doesn't make a difference now, because the real money is with this baby. He handed me a medallion. The chain it was attached to was normal. Uh, necklace? This is going to solve world, world hunger? Parades? Why would this be valuable? Uh, you'll see when you get to New Vista, but I promise you. Our cut of the goods would be absolutely exquisite. <sighs> Man, you need to get that looked at, Hack. <laughs> I'm tired, Jet. Can't get a doctor to look at everything now, can I? I'll meet you in New Vista. He pulled away and headed back east to the highway. I turned back to the building. The sand had laid claim to all. The living of the stone monuments humanity had built and thrived on didn't seem to matter in this world. I knew what I had to do and I walked at a steady pace, but still took the time to drink in what this world had become. I remember a world so differently. Skyscrapers, blue glass, towers, technology. Now it's only broken stones and gray skies. The world always feels like it's going to rain. Heavy clouds, heavy wind, nothing ever comes. It's just dry now. Nothing but fucking dry. I grabbed what was left of my gear from inside my hole. And that's basically where I was, you know, staying. A sheltered hole. Not the Ritz. And walked to my maroon jaguar. It used to be candy apple red. Must have been beautiful back in the day. But the sun fucking bleached it. Man, I won that bad boy in the desert race three years ago. Modified it with solar cells and the baby runs like it used to in the before times. Every mile I traveled as a runner, I could feel hope slipping away. Feel life abandoning, never turning back. Like an absentee mother, and I'm at the Chuck E. Cheese. I investigated my jag to see if Ziggy and his idiots did anything to it. Aside from the sand, she was still intact. I steeled my resolve and strived to keep moving forward as I put that medallion around my neck. What did it mean? If it was as valuable as they say it was, I don't see how I'm going to be able to get to New Vista without a confrontation. 
or at least a disagreement. Night had its own pitfalls, though, as even though it stole away the sun's harsh rays and replaced them with dark purple clouds filled with blue lightning that never hit ground, there were other things that ruled the night out there. Yeah, I wasn't going to get out here and on the road before something decided to show up. As I headed down the long and preferably lonesome highway, I began to hear the sounds of the world around me outside. Creatures I no longer recognized howled and screamed their cries just out of my sight. Once finding something to eat, they got worse. Most likely they ravaged some panicked animal and they brayed joyfully for their hunt. I stayed my course though, worried only about being outgunned in a savage land. The barely intact skeletons of cars rarely held anything worth taking. Except once I found a military backpack with some windproof matches, a solar blanket, a nice canteen, and a Playboy. I still got the Playboy. Several hours into my trip, I came across the bones of a small town. Feels like dawn comes quickly around here. In reality, I'd been driving all night, trying to remember what the world looked like before all this happened. But I had to stop and take shelter against the beating sun. It's the worst in the mornings. The jag would recharge, and I would sleep. I would try at least. Dawn, though, was no safer than the night. Something out there in the vast darkness howled. Man, it's jarring. It's loud and it's terrifying. Luckily, the goddamn thing wasn't close. The smell, you know, would usually hit you before you saw the animal. The wind had died down, and I was getting hungry. I wondered how hard it would be to take down one of those beasts. Well, just find out what one tasted like. Maybe it was uh, better not to tempt fate. I mean, what if it's disappointing and it just tastes like chicken? I pulled into the small town and looked around from the inside. Nothing seemed dangerous at the moment, so I wrapped my poncho around me and put that same military backpack I found on. I exited the car and used my senses. Sand and rocks crunched under my boots as I entered what I felt was the main street of this dead town. The sand and wind had worn down the buildings to nubs, smoothed the wrought iron to a polished finish like tiny mirrors. It was breathtaking, surreal. No glass remained and the one or two doorways still standing were absolutely hollowed out. I kept moving, hoping that I could spot something to eat or some water to drink. There was nothing. Then, like a tomb in the middle of a mausoleum, it appeared in a street over. An intact building. Well, hello there, I muttered. In a situation like this, you have to think long, deep, and hard about the dangers that could possibly be lurking in the shadows of that one-story building. The idea of shelter, maybe food, won over the scary thoughts of monsters and creatures waiting with teeth bared in vicious intentions. Guns, although useful, would ruin any surprise attack and probably attract more. So I quietly, but firmly walked over, stopped, 
and picked out an arm's length of rebar and made sure it was steady, swinging it around to get used to the weight. Yep, that ought to do. The small concrete shelter was near. I took a deep breath and sighed it out, tried to listen for movement inside, but the night sounds made it impossible. My eyes, not entirely used to the dark as they should be yet, couldn't see clearly into the shadows. I approached the door and tried pushing it open with a rebar, but it wouldn't budge. Nah, I fought with the possibility of a trap and decided, hey, you know what? The shelter's worth it. Another sigh of resolve, and I kicked the door open. The cacophony drowned out the sound of the tripwire, the pulley, and the weight dropping behind it. Yep. Wire coiled itself around my ankle and gripped it tight, pulled fast and so fast that I couldn't react, and I only had a split second to hear the sound of my head heavily hitting the concrete below. Fuck! Blackness took over. Coming awake was... that <laughs> was painful. I've had bad tequila binges, sometimes rum, but this was worse than any hangover I'd experienced. The back of my head hurt like hell. The ankle that the cable wrapped itself around stung and with cord burns and little pieces of metal in the skin. My eyes were still adjusting to the low amber light. I could hear voices coming through the fog that hung heavy on my senses. What do you think? We're going to eat him. There were three of them. Just my fucking luck. See moron, we can't eat him. We need to report to Ziggy. Uh, I wasn't upside down anymore. I was tied to a porous pillar, wire wrapped around my wrists, my back against the concrete and my legs stretched out in front of me. My eyes finally adjusted and I found myself in a dark cellar, probably underneath the one-story building. The walls were concrete like the single pillar in the middle of the room. There was nothing to get myself loose with. They'd taken my guns and my backpack. I like that backpack. I smelled the wires, and the distinct hang of rust came to my nostrils. I couldn't let these, uh, idiots know I was conscious, though. Okay, Rufus, I'll go make that call. You guys need to keep an eye on twisted my hands in the makeshift wire shackles and hoped they would break or bend, telling me that the metal was old and rusty. With a little effort, the wire did just what I hoped, popped a few strands. I smiled to myself. There is no way in hell I was becoming someone's meal, and I wasn't going to wait around for Ziggy if I didn't fucking have to. If I could work my way out of this, even if it cost me a few layers of skin, I would do it gladly. Pay that price and get the fuck out. I stopped as above my head the floorboards creaked with motion. I knew I had little time. I gritted my teeth and twisted my wrists. The pain was slow, but it came. First it burned, then it grated like sandpaper on raw skin, but I still kept at it. 
working my hands back and forth in the restraints. I felt one fiber after another give way. Each second, I was at it. Another second of pain came. I kept my eyes up, searching the room for something to distract me from the groin agony. A hatch or a trap door leading upward. I couldn't see one, so I assumed it was behind me. Another pop, another pain. Now the snap wires were biting into my already sensitive flesh. You don't moisturize for nothing. Beads of sweat ran down my brow, my cheeks and the back of my sunburnt neck, making my brown shirt stick to my skin. It was only a minute or two, but it felt like an eternity. I was able to slip my wrists out and comfort them in the low light. I stood up and turned to see where it was coming from, and my suspicions were correct. A badly built trapdoor the corner of the small room was letting light through the planks. The skin on my wrist was broken, but I couldn't pay too much attention to that right now. The floor creaked and moaned as one of the people upstairs began to walk to the trap door that held the prisoners. Or, you know, future meals. I had to think fast. So I stayed seated, put my hands behind the pole again and hung my head. Not a second later, the hatch was pulled open. The ladder was thrown down and heavy feet carrying a heavy load thumped onto the dirt floor. Slowly, the footsteps made their way in front of me. Before I could react, I was punched square in the jaw and face planted right into the dirt. Ow! A flashlight illuminated the basement as the man before me started to talk. It was a voice I was all too familiar with. You know the rules, smuggler. Cargo or toll needs to be paid to get through our territory. You're trespassing. Well, hello, Ziggy. Well, well. If it isn't Jet Hawk. You know, for somebody who's named after two things that fly, you sure do spend a lot of time on the fucking ground. Get him up and outside. He pays the toll in monies. At one point, Ziggy could be considered human. Now he only bears the slightest of resemblances. The skin that was pulled taut over warped muscles is brown and leathery due to the exposure. His hair, long, brown, and stringy, was no longer covering the top of his forehead, and it came in blotches all over. The most ridiculous part was a handlebar mustache. <laughs> Fuck me, was that ugly. His teeth were gaped apart, lips peeled back and split in some places, dark from recent openings. <sighs> As this guy animal picked me up, I could feel his rotted breath coming to my nose and it made me nauseous. I tried as hard as I could not to vomit, so I held my breath. Once we got out of the hole, he slammed me to the ground. I took the gift of time and seized the opportunity. I opened my eyes and slammed my fist into his genitals, or what was left of them. Animal barely had enough time to draw a gas by the time I kicked his legs out from under him his knee breaking with a muffled crack. I wasted no time and pounced, letting my fist come down on the side of his very face. Three, four, five, six times making his breathing ragged. Then with slow and practiced precision, I reached under him, wrapped my fingers together and pulled up against the natural curve of his spine. Come on, you son of a bitch. Quiet grunts of effort escaped as quick panicked pants came from the animal line on the floor. I pulled harder, things popping and giving way to the pressure, causing him to flail his arms, kicking up dust around us. With a final vicious pop, the body went limp. I pulled once more, just to make sure. Letting out a long breath, trying to get the adrenaline out of my body so I could think clearer. 
I let Animal's head thunk to the ground and watched as thick, dark blood seep from his orifices and pulled beneath. Ah, you always worrying, able jet. I gotta hand it to you. It's a shame you didn't take my offer to join us many years ago, because Nightingale would have loved to have someone like you. I stumbled to my feet, still feeling the burning pain of the wires digging into my skin. It didn't help that the dirt and sand were blowing again either. Huh, Nightingale? I mean the barrenness of your little fucking fiefdom? No disrespect. Scratch that full disrespect. It's just not my cup of tea. Ziggy shrugged and snapped his fingers. Your choice, man. But you killed the wrong guy. Animal was muscle, but didn't have a fucking brain in his oversized head. I saw them walking from out of the shadows where Ziggy's caravan was parked. A large man with muscles the size of my head. He was hooded so I couldn't get all of his features. But I knew from the walk, this guy was going to be trouble. Panzer, heal. A voice came from him. Thick accent. If I remember the archives correctly, it was German. Mm, where's my food? I'm getting hungry. The monster that Ziggy called Panzer removed his hood to reveal a square jaw, battle-scarred face, and a monster of a man. His teeth had been filed to points like a shark's. I guess this guy had never eaten a vegetable in his fucking life or even heard the word vegetable. Ziggy slapped the oversized man on his back. He then pointed in my direction, as if uh, I'd been given the proverbial bullseye, if you will. You see this piece of shit, Panzer? I want you to pulverize him, but I don't want him dead. I'll need him in one piece for Nightingale, okay? If you do that, I'll have a surprise back at the Baroness's cooktop for you. Dig? I needed to be the aggressor in this. I ran the six steps separating us and used what was left of the strength in my legs to try and kick his from underneath him. He didn't budge. Peered at me with hungry eyes. Without guns, knives, or any other kind of weapon, this guy had all the advantages, but I wasn't about to give up. I punched this guy in every pressure point, every weak spot, and every soft and squishy thing I could think of. He stared at me as if I were a fly. He was almost a foot taller than me. I remembered an old adage, make him your size. So I stepped back and waylaid a dropkick into one of the behemoth's knees. It must have upset him, because uh, it seemed as if a switch just seemed to go off in his head. With all the strength he could muster, he grabbed me in a bear hug and squeezed me with all his might. I managed to crook my arm to deflect the pressure from my chest, but a sickening crack echoed through the air as my elbow became dislocated almost instantly, and he threw me into the wall of the building. I cried out in pain. Kinda had no choice. With a surprisingly deceptive speed, he was on me and applied a rear naked choke. Breathing had just become a luxury I couldn't afford. The world spun, swirled, and then eventually disappeared. Before I was completely unconscious, I could hear Ziggy applauding. Now let's get back to the You'll be pleased. In the cast, you heard Miguel Pedroza as Jet Hawk, Dan McMcCloskey as Jack Knight Ziggy, Danny Atwell as Hack Blakesley, and Panzer. All the roles played by Ferd Burkle. Sound effects courtesy of Zapsplat. Rise by the Cult. Dissolve by Switchblade Symphony. 
Shout out to Devil by Motley Crue. Detonation Boulevard Episode 1, The Other Side of Ruin, is a production of Dark Charm Media, 2022, all rights reserved. <laughs>